I'm here to be an all-time great. You now rocking with the best. Welcome to the Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast. Oh, he's smoking hot. The latest Laker news. Another great showtime feed. The greatest Laker show. This is going to be legendary for a long this is the Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast. Lakers all day. Go Lakers! What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Big Baby Jonathan here. Got a very special edition podcast, three-time NBA champion, of the Los Angeles Lakers, man, Byron Scott. Byron Scott, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on my show, man. It's an honor to have you, man. Welcome to Big Baby Sports. Honor to be here, brother. I appreciate it and look forward to it. And, uh, you know, you've been doing big things, so this is cool. My dog is bothering me right now, so I'm trying to push it out. <laughs> it's all good, man. Oh, hi, dog. How you doing? <laughs> oh, this is my uh, co-host right here, Deli Dale. Welcome to the show, man. It's been a minute, man. It's been a minute, man. I'm in the show. And my other co-host, Angry Lakers Fan TV, man, go subscribe to his channel, Laker Nation. What's up, Angry Lakers Fan TV? Welcome to the show as well. I can't stop smiling, bro. It's a fucking honor, man. Angry <laughs> Lakers Fan. All right, bro. Nice to meet you. <laughs> but yeah, man, uh, let's get into the topics, man. Tell us um, the journey that you guys were on with the Showtime Lakers, man. How was that like playing with Magic Johnson back in the day? Tell us a story about that. You know what? It was unbelievable, big baby. I mean, I, I had the pleasure and privilege of playing with you know, three of the greatest players of all time. Magic Johnson, uh, to me, arguably is the, the, the greatest point guard ever. You know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, to me, is the greatest player ever. I mean, you look at his stats and what he was able to accomplish. And then James Worthy uh, really kind of changed uh, what most people thought of small forwards. At 6'9", he wasn't your regular small forward. You know, small forwards at those times were 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, they can get up and down the floor. Uh, this was a man at 6'9", that was just a, you know, he was just a deer when it came to running up and down the floor and he could take you off the dribble, post you up, just did everything. So I had the pleasure of playing with those three guys, which made my job obviously a lot easier. And, um, you know, playing with those guys, obviously winning championships, which was our goal every single year. You know, we didn't think about Western Conference Finals or getting to the finals. You know, if we didn't win a championship, it, to us it was a bust. It just wasn't a good season. So, um, you know, looking back on those years and, and playing with those guys, it brings back a lot of fond memories. And we see each other often and get a chance to talk about those years and today's game as well and uh, kind of reminisce and just – we just have a good time when we're around each other, man. But those memories of, of being with the Lakers Showtime era in the 80s uh, is, is something that I'll never forget. Yeah, most definitely. Um, yeah, man, those were – I watched that back in the day, man. You guys had tough tough teams winning against, you know, the Boston Celtics, man, Larry Bird. And I was watching your show with Rob Rory. Um, Larry Bird is one of the most trash talkers in the league, man. So tell us about that. Like, how did you uh, preparate for uh, – Larry Bird back in the day. Like, what was well, you know, you, the, the good thing is I never had to guard Larry, but I, I did have to rotate to Larry at times. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, man, you talk, you're talking about one of the best, biggest trash talkers ever, man. This guy would shoot the ball. And while you fly by, he tell you you're too late, you don't jump too high, you know, too slow. I mean, he just – and then he would tell you where he was going to catch the ball and shoot it in your face, what the damn thing you could do about it. He was <laughs> one of those guys. And the thing that, to me that was so cool about Larry is that – 
you know, he backed it up, you know. So to yeah. me, if you can back it up, it ain't really trash talking. It's just it's the, it's the truth. And he is one of the greatest players that I think we all, you know, in that era played against. He was a hard worker. Because when you look at Larry Bird, you, you, you look at his, his physical attributes, which wasn't much. He wasn't fast. He wasn't athletic. He didn't jump out the gym. But, boy, he could outthink you. He knew everybody was going to be, you know, a step before he had unbelievable basketball IQ. He made all the right plays and he could shoot the hell out the ball. So he was a great competitor. He was great to play against in those Boston Lakers, you know, Celtic days. And uh, I got nothing but respect for Larry Bird. My boy, uh, Daily Dale has a question for you, Byron Scott. Yes, sir. Byron Scott. So I want to transition to uh, today's NBA. And right now we have Darvin Hem as our coach for the Lakers. Uh, what advice would you just give him from, you know, from just coaching the Lakers and really being a coach for years you know, you've had that, you've had that spotlight and, you know, that passion to do that. Uh, what, yeah. What advice would you give Darvin Ham? You know what? The first, the first thing I would tell Darvin is just be yourself. You know, that, that's the, that's the best advice I think you can give any coach. Just be yourself. Uh, go in there to do the things that you know you're capable of doing. Uh, if you need advice, he's been an assistant for a long time. So I'm, I'm pretty sure he has a very good idea of how he knows and how he wants things to be done. Uh, and players are, you know, players these days are smart. They, if they figure you out as a coach and they don't think you know what you're doing, they're going to expose you. So I, I would just be myself going there and just demand, first of all, defensively. They, they got to get better on the defensive end. You can't go from a championship team where you were ranked the number one defensive team to last year where you ranked in the 20, you right. know, and expect to be successful. This, this league is not like that. You got to be one of the top defensive teams in the league. And offensively, you got to be very efficient on that end of the league, on that end of the floor as well. So, he has his work cut out for him. There's no doubt about that because you got some aging superstars and and LeBron who hasn't. He just doesn't seem to you know take a step backwards. He keeps getting you know better, and he just sustains that that quality of play that we're so accustomed to seeing. Uh, Russell, I'm a big fan of uh, Russell Westbrook, but he he's going to have to play defense. Obviously, uh, he's going to be much better in his shot selection as well. So. You know, if they can stay healthy and they, they really start to think about that defensive end or, or really committing on that end of the floor, and, and that's something that Darwin's been very good at, you know, in his, in his uh, assistant years in the NBA. And I think he knows being in a, a championship uh, caliber uh, organization like Detroit where they won championships when he played with them, he knows the defense is extremely important. And these guys have to buy into that from day one. Yeah, most definitely, man. Um, like Darvin Hand, man, Darvin Hand keeps it real. He don't sugarcoat nothing man um but how did you take that comment by russell westbrook saying he has no expectations in la how did that how did how did you feel when you said that those comments uh i didn't i didn't feel great about that i mean we all have expectations when you come to la the expectations are simple championships is that simple you know and that has to be his expectation you know russ has been an unbelievable player he's gonna be a hall of famer first balance no doubt about that uh, you know, averaging triple doubles in his career over the last three or four years prior to last year is is an unbelievable feat, you know, that only Oscar Robinson was able to accomplish. So he already has that to kind of, you know, to, to stand on. You, you've had all the, you know, the individual accolades that you can handle. You've been an all-star for multiple years. The only thing that's, that's missing, you know, in that resume is a championship. So he's going to have to obviously – defer to those guys and, and really just say, listen, whatever I need to do, if it's defense, if it's scoring, if it's passing, you know, I, I'm going to do whatever that is. You know, you're going to have to be able to give a little bit of yourself in order for this team to be successful. He can't look at averaging 25, 15, and 10 because that's not going to happen for them to be successful. 
So I think as long as he understands that, listen, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win, and he means it, they got a shot of being back in the championship next year. Yeah, most definitely. And your Lakers fan, man, you got uh, what's your thoughts about that? Um, basically, he said everything I uh, uh, was thinking. Um, I, I didn't like them comments at all. You know, saying you have nothing to prove. You can't say that putting on a Lakers uniform at all. And if I was somebody like Byron Scott, you know, <laughs> I would have been pissed <laughs> if I heard <laughs> if I heard something like that. Come on, man. I mean, come on. You look, man. Lakers is all about championships. I mean, right. Dr. Jerry Buzz made that clear. Get down, get down, get down. It's all about, it's no, all about I, championships. A, a angry Laker fan, I ain't, you know, like you said, I, I wasn't pissed because I'm, I'm not, you know, with the organization in that capacity. I think if I was on that coaching staff or in that, in that um, uh, office, that front office, then I would have had to, you know, probably walk downstairs and say, Russ, we need to talk. Yep. Maybe you don't understand that you do have expectations here, and that's to win a championship. So the pressure is on you. But since I'm not in an organization like that, you know, where I'm kind of an outsider and I, I go to a lot of Laker games and do a lot of Laker events, uh, I'm thinking the same thing. Like you said, I, you know, I wasn't happy about those conversations because from, from the standpoint of what you've done in this league, yeah, you have nothing to prove, but you don't, you don't have a championship. And when you put on purple and gold, that's what we expect. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you do have something to prove. You have to prove that you are a winner, you know, not just – uh, a triple-double guy or, you know, one of the top point guards in the league for over the last 10 years and, you know, all the stats that you've done, that's been great. But that doesn't do nothing when it comes to winning championships. So you have a whole lot to prove, and you want to prove it here in LA. Here in LA. Yeah, most definitely, man. And uh, my boy Isaiah has a question for you, Byron Scott. With the, Lake, with the Lakers, with Russ, be a six-man? Do you think he'll come off the bench this year? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you something, you know, uh, Big Baby, and this is something I discussed with a really good friend of mine. We were working out, and I was telling him what I would do, you know, if I was Frank Vogel at the time. I said I would have a heart-to-heart -heart talk with Russ and bring him off the bench. And, and here's my reason why, because I think if you bring him off the bench, he's playing, number one, against second-tier guys, and number two, he can beat Russ. He can go and score and facilitate and do those things that he's done for so many years. With that first unit with AD and, and LeBron, you're going to have to defer. So I would have that conversation with him and say, listen, I would love to bring you off the bench, but if you don't want to come off the bench, this is the things that you're going to have to sacrifice as a starter. Mm -hmm. You know, so again, it's just being very transparent as a coach. Uh, the one thing I used to always say when I had players is uh, there's no way in hell you're going to go be able to go to the media and say, I don't know my role because I'm going to tell you your role from day one. This is what I expect from you from a coach's standpoint every single night and if you go to a guy like russ and he says well i don't want to do that okay cool we can agree to disagree we'll start you but being a starter these are the limitations that we that, that i'm putting on you because of the other two guys that we have but coming off that bench you can be Russ because now you're playing against guys that definitely can't guard you and you got guys on that second unit hopefully they're the shooters that we can surround you around you around where you get to the basket and you can kick to those guys for shots but you can be russell Westbrook, where you can be able to have the ball in your hand 90% of the time and make the plays. If you're with LeBron and AD, you're not going to have the ball in your hands that much. LeBron is a facilitator. He's a point forward, so to speak. So uh, I would have that talk with him if that's what Darwin Ham's, you know, thought process is as far as bringing him off the bench or opposed to being a starter. And then I want to comment on that, uh, Byron. So last, last year with the Lakers and how they played and everything, of course, you know, besides being healthy, all of that. Like, I really felt like Russ was doing Russ things 
he just wasn't being efficient. And that and that was the biggest problem. And this season, I feel like exactly what you said, defense is the number thing that Lakers have to get back to. Like we traded all of our defensive players that we had at the time for Russell Westbrook. So it's like, I know that hurt us, you know, just for, you know, Kyle Kuzman uh, going away, uh, Montrez Hurl, you know, people like that, KCP, those are really our defensive players. Right. So, we, so we're looking for they that for us to rest break. So yeah. I, I really feel like if if we can just if we can just be healthy and really pick up the defensive end, I really feel our, our offensive uh, traits would just start coming, like, naturally. And I, I really think that. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think defensively, again, that, that has to be the number one uh, objective going into training camp this year. I mean, you know, Darwin has to definitely go in there and say, listen, defensively, we got to go from 20-something in that top 10, hopefully that top five. If you get to that top five, which means you're playing defense every single night, that means you're giving your chance to, a team a chance to win every single night. Because offense, as you guys know, it comes and goes. There's going to be nights where guys are knocking it down on a consistent basis. There's going to be nights where you're not. But defensively, you cannot have those lapses you know, where you're just giving up, you know, 10, 12, 14 points in a row and guys are getting everything they want. They're getting layups. They're getting wide open threes. You can't have that type of defensive effort. So on the defensive end, if they have that effort every single night, they're going to get themselves a chance to win. And they have to recommit themselves on that end of the floor. If, they, if they're serious about trying to win a championship this year, Golden State looks good. You know, Boston over there looks good. You know, there's some other teams in the West. You know, Denver's not going anywhere. Phoenix is not going anywhere. The, the West is packed. You know, so in order for them to be successful, every single night they got to play on the defensive end. That can get your offense going anyway. That's when you can mm-hmm. get Russ in the in the in the uh, uh, you know in the middle of the court. You know, on a fast break where he's going up and down off of rebounds and turnovers. That's when those guys can run and be the athletes that they are. But they got to play defense every single night to, in order to do that. Right. And then I also have one question. Um, so, uh, do do you think Anthony Davis? Do you think he can be in an MVP conversation this year? I think so. I think Anthony Davis has MVP written all over him. He has the MVP talent. There's no doubt about that. And everybody knows when Anthony Davis is healthy, he's one of the top five players in the NBA. He does it on both ends of the floor. The thing that he does on the defensive end, he makes up for a lot of mistakes, you know, from perimeter players when guys are getting by you because he's so long. He's such a great athlete. He's such a great shot blocker, you know, that he can be a factor on that end of the floor. He's great offensively because he can take you outside. He can take you down low. He's so long and athletic, you know, he can get pretty much any shot he wants. If Anthony Davis stays healthy and he is mentally there this year where he knows that he's got to come every single night, I think without a doubt he can be in the MVP conversation. Go ahead, Angry Lakers fan TV. What you think? Um, well, I got, I got, a, I actually got a question for him. Mm-hmm. Um, because I might not get a chance to talk to Byron Scott again. So I'm, <laughs> I got <laughs> to ask this question. Um, what was going through your mind in 2002 when you when you found out you had the coach against the Lakers in the finals? You know what? I was extremely mm-hmm. happy, uh, number one, because I got a team over in the Eastern Conference that everybody, when I took the job, told me not to take it and turned them into a championship quality basketball team. And I was very proud to be going against an organization who I had a lot of pride in and, and a lot of respect and a lot of success with, you know, so – I looked forward to it. I, I really did. I looked forward to the challenge of, of playing against the best team in the NBA, which was the Lakers at that time. And you had Kobe and Shaq and, you know, D fish and Robert and all those guys. Uh, I knew it was going to be an uphill battle because, you know, first of all, Shaq, it, you, you just have nobody that can guard Shaq. We had nobody that can match up against Shaq. 
<laughs> and we had you know, we had Kerry Kittles and Jason Kidd and guys like that, and Richard Jefferson, who we felt could match up pretty good against Kobe. We knew we couldn't stop him, but we knew the biggest, you know, the biggest, you know, negative that we have as far as going into that series was Shaq, and he destroyed us. And but I was very proud to be playing, to be able to bring a team, you know, to Staples Center at the time for a championship, you know, as a coach. You know, so I, I was very, you know, happy with the fact that I, I took a New Jersey team from 26 wins to 52 wins and to the NBA Finals two straight years uh, and, losing the, and losing the Lakers. If there's any team I wanted to lose to, I would, wouldn't mind losing to, it was the Lakers. So <laughs> it was kind of a double-edged sword for me. I was extremely happy to get there. Not happy that we lost, but happy for them that they won. Most definitely, man. Well and, said, well said. Thank well you. said, well said, but got to get into it, man. Um, the, Kobe Bryant, man, tell us a story about Kobe Bryant when you when you first came to the Lakers and you saw him practice. Did you know right then and there that he was going to be great when he first came to the Lakers practice? When you had the because you were his teammate at the time. Yeah, yeah, uh, I I did. You know what? It took me probably a week, uh, a week? because he had broke his hand when mm-hmm. I first met him. Uh, you know, the logo talked to me and told me that you know we got this kid. You know, we just drafted this kid. And he is unbelievable. And I said, what kid you talking about? He said, Kobe Bryant. I said, wait a minute, that little 17-year-old kid you talking about? <laughs> that Byron, well, he used to call me young man. Young man, this kid is going to be unbelievable. Best workout I've ever seen. I said, really? He said, yeah. So when I get on the team, he had a broken hand. Mm. So I got to know him before he really stepped on the court. And a week after him stepping on the court and me just kind of watching him, I said, man, this kid's going to be unbelievable. And, and, you know, the fact that I was able to just – sit down and talk to him uh, on the bench, you know, talk to him after practice, talk to him after games. And he would just, you know, really just ask me question after question on things to do and how to prepare for this and that. And a lot of people gave me a lot of credit for mentoring Kobe, but I, I, I tell you a lot of that was, it was mutual. You know, we, we, we seemed to just be drawn to one another. I was a vet that I was on my way out after another year or two. And was, I, I saw this up, you know, up and coming rookie that I knew had unbelievable potential. And I remember doing an interview with Kobe and I said, you know, mark my words, this kid is going to be unbelievable. And to be honest with you, he surpassed, you know, what I thought he would be. I didn't, I didn't think he would be the number three scorer in NBA history. I didn't think this guy would play 20 years and, 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 and live up to everything, the expectations that Jerry West has set upon him. Uh, not only live up to it, live up to it, but surpass it. I mean, his work ethic was uh, historical. When you talk about somebody who really worked it, you know, their ass off on a day-to-day basis, who wanted to be great, and that's what he told me when I first asked him, "What do you want to accomplish in this league?" He said, "I want to be one of the greatest of all time." And I looked at him and told him, "You will be, because I, I see your work ethic." And he was that and and some. And um, you know, I, I am very proud to have had a little bit to do with that. You know, to be a part of that. Um, and obviously you guys know he will never be missed. You know, I, I think about the guy almost every day and it's, it's not something that comes along during the day that doesn't bring back uh, a memory of Kobe and, uh, some of the things that he was able to accomplish, some of our conversations. Uh, and he, he was, he was just a special young man. Yeah, man. Kobe, man, will be missed. He motivates me. He inspires me, man. He followed me on Twitter. Me and him had a private conversation, man. And, Look up to Kobe when it comes to this podcast. I put in my work each and every day. I look at film. Like after this podcast, I'm going to look at film, you know, what to do to get better and move forward. You know, Kobe Bryant yeah. is yeah. always in there. 
I got, you know, that's, mom the, that's the mamba. That's the mamba you know, mentality. Yeah, baby. Yeah. That's the mamba mentality. Because I want it. My dream is to get the owner of the Lakers on my channel, Genie Bus. That's the ultimate goal. I'm working my way up to it. I know it's going to come. I, that's you're, not confident. You do it. You get yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so another question: um, How did you feel the last game of Kobe Bryant, sixty point game? Coming into the game, did you think Kobe Bryant was going to score sixty points? I had no clue. You know what? Mm-hmm. I, I my my whole objective that year. I remember starting that year, and I said, my job this year is to develop these young guys, which was you know Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. I said I want to develop these young guys. That's number one. Number two. I want to get Kobe to game 82 relatively healthy. I want him to be able to play that game and go out the way he wants to go out. Now, when that game started, you know, he was like 0 for 5, and I, I was just like, man, I just don't want him to go out this way. And then you know, he got fouled, hit a couple of free throws, and then the ball got rolling. Um, I, I never imagined him having 60 points on his last game, and I don't think I'll ever see that again in my lifetime. Uh, it was one of the most memorable games uh, that I've ever been a part of. Uh, and that's as a player or as a coach. And for him to come off the floor and give me a big old hug and tell me he loved me and I told him how much I loved him, it was uh, it was special. And, um, you know, it, it's, just, it's just one of those games that you'll never forget. You know, everybody at that arena and people at home that were watching, you know, 10 years from now will remember exactly where they were when Kobe Bryant had 60 points in his last game. And it was just one of the best performances I think we'll ever see in our lifetime. And I don't think it'll be duplicated. I, I don't think you'll ever see somebody on their last game at 37, 38 years old, 36 years old, that will have 60 points in their final, you know, their final well, you know, final game of the season. And um, but that's that's Kobe Bryant. You know, he he geared up basically for that game as well because he knew that was our plan uh, was to get him to game 82 relatively healthy. That's why I cut his minutes and all that stuff stuff down during the regular season. That's why in practice sometimes I told him just go over there and sit down. Uh, some days he would call me at six in the morning and say, coach, what are we going to do today? I said, well, you're going to stay home. <laughs> you know, you, you just stay home and we're going to practice and I'll see you tomorrow. You know, and, and that was the type of relationship we had. But uh, that game, you know, I, I'll, I'll never forget that game as long as I live. What you think? Man, I have a, uh, another question. So with, with playing, you know, playing it in the NBA at, a, at an early age where you were playing that to coaching it, it's just like, uh, can you talk about like the, just like the rules and like how you had it like to adapt to like coaching nowadays than you know than like how you were used to playing it back yeah. then? Yeah, it, it was. You know what? When I when I started coaching, it wasn't that big of an adjustment because the game was still um, kind of played like we played in the '80s, where it was still more of an inside-out game. You know, so you still had a bunch of big guys around. You know, like the Shacks, the Tembe Matumbo, and all those guys, Alonzo Mourning. They still were all playing. So you really wanted to start your offense inside out. Uh, about middle of the way of my coaching is where the game started to change, where it was more of an outside in, and the three-point uh, line was much more relevant than it was when I played. So, you know, you have to make those adjustments as a coach. You know, you, you either got to draft or, or you know, try to sign guys as free agents to come in to do that can do those type of things. So, you know, I think every great coach learns, you know, pretty much on the fly that, hey, you have to adjust – with the signs of times. And, and for me, you know, going from New Jersey to New Orleans, you know, the game was pretty much the same. You know, if you didn't have a dominant post player, you know, you use like I did with Chris Paul. I used Chris Paul to facilitate everything. You know, mm-hmm. we ran everything with Chris Paul, every pick and roll just to get make sure that we had him, had the ball in his hands and he was making the decisions. Because we told our players and we felt this for truth, you know, to be to be the truth is that 
he could get you a better shot than you can get by yourself, you know, because he's going to draw a lot of attention. And then the game has changed to now where, you know, you guys, you got guys like Steph Curry, <coughs> excuse me, who can, you know, step across half court. You got to guard him, you know. So it's, it's a totally different game now where the three-point, you know, play is so much more, you know, relevant than it was when I played. And, you know, if, you, if you're going to survive as a coach in this league, you got to be able to adapt to that as well. Go ahead, Anger Lakers fan. Go ahead. Um, I'm a, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to call it putting you on the spot, but I, I got to ask this question. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I heard you say in a documentary that um, as a rookie, you know, your teammates used to test you at times. Did a fight ever break out that nobody know about? Mm. No, you know what? I mean, we had pushing and shoving matches. Nobody really ever threw a punch. Uh, and the thing that would be crazy is after that was done, we would go out and get lunch or drink together. You know what I mean? It was, it was just, hey, hey. That, that happened on the court during practice, but we still family. We still brothers. And let's go out and have a drink, you know, because, again, you know, you know, everything gets tested on that court. And mm-hmm. in, in the documentary, I wasn't I wasn't lying. When Cooper Magic was messing with me, I said, look, man, the next one of y'all to do that, I'm going to punch the shit out y'all. <laughs> and, and they let me know then that, you know what, we had to test you. We had to see if you had what, you know, the heart, you know, to be able to be one of the boys. And after that, I mean, we were the three amigos. Every You know, we did everything together. We went everywhere together. Uh, and, you know, our bond on that basketball court, if one of us got into an argument or, or, or shoving match with an opponent, all of us was there, you know, and I mean, we had each other's back. So that brotherhood was real. But yeah, we never had a practice where we, we came to fisticuffs. It was a push, a couple of pushing here and there, and then everybody break it up. And then, like I said, after the, you know, after the practice, everybody be like, man, let's go get something to eat. You know, it was all good. You forget about it. We move on. Yeah. Shout out to Lakers over everything. Salute to Big Baby, Angry, Angry Lakers fan and champion, Mr. Scott. Appreciate it. And my boy, Chris, I mean, my boy, James, has a question for you. Who was the first person to inspire you to get into coaching? Ooh, Pat Riley. Mm. You know, Pat Riley. Mm. When I was 26 years old, Pat Riley told me that uh, we were in the locker room and he said, you know, one of these days when you become a coach, you're going to understand some of the things that I have to go through. And I, I looked at Riles. I said, you're out your damn mind. I ain't coaching, man. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, you got to remember that was only my fifth year in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And then five years later, uh, I'm in Indiana, and, and Larry Brown says the same thing. He, he basically said, I think you would be a really good coach one day. And that's what got me thinking about being coaching, was just kind of going back and remember what Ralph said. And I don't know what it was about those two guys. You talk about two Hall of Fame coaches that seen something in me that I didn't see in myself uh, as a player. But I started to you know, keep a journal of, journal of things that I would like to do and things I wouldn't do. And when I got to Indiana with Larry, with Larry Brown is when I really started thinking about getting into coaching. But you know, Pat Riley was a big, you know, big reason, you know, for that it was he was the first one to tell me that he thought I would be a good coach one day. So, uh, you know, I owe a lot to that to him. Yeah, most definitely. Do you, uh, are you retired from coaching? Are you still want to coach? Big baby, I'm retired from coaching, man. I got, <laughs> well, I, I, let, let's put it this way. I'm retired from the NBA. Mm-hmm. Let, let's okay. say that, you know, I, 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 I have told my wife and close friends, you know, I, about a year or two ago, I said, you know what? I wouldn't mind coaching in college. Mm, you know, mm. and, and not not a not a huge college where you get these guys that are one and done. I would like to go somewhere where I can have guys for three or four years, young men, you know, to really help them understand what life outside of basketball is all about, you know, and prepare them for life, not just basketball. If they make it to the NBA, that's great. But if they don't, at least hopefully I would be, you know, there to prepare them for, you know, going into a regular nine to five or going into in, in some form of basketball. 
but I, I think I would be really good in college because I could help a lot of these kids, um, you know, give them direction on, you know, if they get a chance to play in the NBA, what to expect. And if they don't, you know, hopefully help them outside of the NBA as well. You know, so I haven't completely ruled it out, but I have ruled out, you know, coaching in the NBA. If you did coach college, what college team would you want to coach? Oh, I'm not going to say that because then, you know, I mean, that, that might put people on the spot. You know, they all like, yeah, <laughs> start start getting like or something. You know, I'm not going to say that. But I, I will tell you this, big baby. It, it, for me, it would have to be on the West Coast. Uh, mm. I'm a West Coast guy. I got granddaughters here on the West Coast. I don't want to go too far from California. Let's put it that way. Um, and plus, my wife and I, we have businesses that we're that we're involved in uh, that are here in California. So if I do do it, it's not going to be it's not going to be on in New York or or Ohio or anything like that. It's going to be somewhere close to the West Coast. For sure. Sounds good. Um, Daily Dell. And then uh, I want to ask you this too, Byron. So um, from actually just like living a dream, like, like I do, like I'm starting to do music. Like I used to love basketball. I still love it, but my dream uh-huh. now is, is, is going to music and everything. Uh-huh. And just, you know, just, just you, you know, just you living a dream. Like what advice you would tell me or somebody like me that just trying just to, just to make it and just to really do what they love to do. Oh, man, that, that's a hard one because, like you said, I, I, I've lived that dream, you know, but I also understood what what how hard it was and how much work it took to get into it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's the one thing I would tell you, whatever it is, you know, you talk about the music, make sure you outwork everybody. It, it, again, we're going back to the Mambo mentality. Make mm-hmm. sure you outwork every. And the one thing I remember, I remember uh, when I was working out one one year, uh, this probably was my fourth or fifth year in the league and I had to run that night. And I looked outside and it was pouring rain. I said, let me wait about 20 minutes and hopefully this rain subsides a little bit. Well, it didn't. So I went out and ran anyway. Mm-hmm. And I ran and I got back you know, home and I'm laying on the porch because I'm dead tired because that, that last two, 300 yards is a sprint. And this, my ex-wife asked me, why would you do that? You know, why would you run at night like this and it's pouring rain? And I told her, I said, because there's a guy that's probably 6'4", 210, that lives <laughs> in Miami that ran tonight and he didn't have nothing to worry about. I can't mm-hmm. not allow him to get the edge on me. I love that. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and it's the same thing with music. It's the same yep. thing with anything that you yep. You don't want people to outwork yep. you, you know. And and Riles used to have a great saying, you know, hard work doesn't guarantee you anything, but it, without it, you have no chance of being successful. You know, so I made it a point to put in that work, work just as hard as anybody. Now, the talent level is going to be different. You know, I wasn't as talented as, as, as Michael Jordan and some of these guys you know, but I, I couldn't let them outwork me too, you know, because then they're going to kill me. You know, if I, if I, if I put that work in, I got a chance. And that's what I would tell you as far as the music industry as well. Just, you know, if they, if somebody's getting up at six, you get up at five. If they work till eight, you work till nine. You know what I'm saying? You yes, put sir. in that extra work because that's, that's what's going to get you over the top. Yep, most definitely. Yes, most definitely, man. Uh, Angry Lakers fan, man. Go ahead. Um, Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I have a, I have a question. Um, first of all, before I ask my question, uh, talking to uh, Coach Scott is like talking to an uncle, man. He's just so laid back and chill. <laughs> I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting those vibes. Yeah, my uncle right now. Man. All right, Uncle B. See, I like Uncle it. Uncle B. I, hey, I can call you Uncle B. Absolutely, Uncle yep. B. All right, <laughs> all right, Uncle B. Uh, <laughs> I got since since you coach both of these guys. Um, are you still in contact with Jason Kidd and Chris Paul? Not so much. You know, both of those guys are doing their own thing. Jason's doing great in Dallas. Uh, I would see Chris, I, I would say over the last two or three years, well, after COVID and everything, I haven't seen him in a while. 
but every summer I would see him and we would play golf together, you know. So um, I have more relationship with, with Chris than I do Jason. But both of those guys I have nothing but respect for. I think we have that, you know, that admirable respect for each other. I'm glad that both of those guys are doing great things in their careers. Jason did a great job in Dallas last year. I think they're going to be another force to be reckoned with in the West as well. Uh, Phoenix, you know, Chris went to Phoenix and turned a, a team that was hoping to make the playoffs into a team that's now hoping to win a championship. But that's what Chris Paul does. He's one of the best leaders I've ever been around. And I've been around a couple. You know, Magic Johnson is the best leader I've ever been around. Chris, uh, Jason Kidd was a great leader when I was in New Jersey. Uh, Chris Paul is in that. You know, he, he's in that 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 talk when you talk about great leaders and great, you know, great uh, teammates. You know, he's one of those guys that would give you his shirt off his back to be successful. So uh, I haven't talked to neither one of those guys in a while, but I think they both know that, you know, coach is always looking at them and wishing them the best. Yeah, most definitely, man. Uh, Got to go, go to this topic, man. Game on the line. Game seven, the NBA finals. Who are you giving the ball to? Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, LeBron James. Oh, man. Uh, well, I, I can tell you right now, it's going to be between LeBron, not LeBron. It's going to be between Michael Jordan and Kobe. It's going to be between those two guys, you know, and uh, it, it's a coin flip because both of those guys don't mind being the GOAT and they don't mind taking that shot. You know, LeBron, who I love to death, LeBron will defer if you double team him or anything like that. He, he'll give it up. Yep. Kobe and Michael Jordan ain't giving it up. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're trying to win it. The only time I ever seen MJ give it up was when he told Steve Kerr, they're going to double me. You're going to be open. And Steve mm-hmm. Kerr was like, I'll be ready. And he and he was. He caught it and made it, you know. But most of the time, if you look at most film, last second shot, MJ took 90% of it. And Kobe probably took even a higher percentage of shots, you know, when the game was on the line. Because as he said, he trusts he trusts his teammates, but he trusts himself more. Yeah. I would give it the ball to Kobe. You know, I know LeBron the first. In current time situation, Jordan said, give me the ball, get out of my way, Sam with Kobe. Um, Daily Dale, who would you take? Kobe, LeBron, Jordan, game winning shot, game I seven. Just, I just grew up watching Kobe. I'm just going to have to go with Kobe. You know, it was all the game was always on all the time. I'm just going to have to go with Kobe. But like you said, Byron, it could literally be a coin, a coin flip between all three of them, really. Yeah, absolutely. It, it just it just depends, like, like where you're at, who you're playing against, you know, stuff like that. But, yeah, for sure, I, I, I would just give it to Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Well, you angry Lakers fan for TV? <laughs> Well, I watched all three play, uh, so but I'm biased, so I'm, I'm going Kobe Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer, and you look No, it's all good, man. Um, yeah, so give me your top five greatest Lakers of all time. My top five greatest Lakers of all time: uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at the center, Ooh, Magic Johnson at the point guard, Kobe Bryant at the two guard. Uh, Elgin Baylor at the three. Uh, I'm trying to think of our great power forwards. I don't think we really had great power forwards. So in that case, I'm going to put James Worthy right there at that that power forward position. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Okay. What do you think, Billy Bill? Man, for sure. uh, At the one, you got to go with Magic. You know, greatest point, one of the greatest point guards of all time, if not the greatest. Uh, Kobe at two. I'll also go with Elgin Baylor at three. Um, at the five, I would go with Shaq, and then at the four, like I said, it's just hard. But shoot, if Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was, man, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Kareem at the four. That's not bad. I, I, yeah. I ain't mad at that. Shout out to uh, Daniel Artest, man, the '94 X50 Women's Basketball Network. My guy, what's up, Coach Scott? What's going on? Oh, uh, Angry Lakers fan, who do you got in your top five? The top five Lakers. 
of all time. Oh man, I see. I'm like, I'm like, yo, I got Kareem as the goat, so he'd be center. Uh, of course, Magic would be point. Yeah. Um, shooting guard. Hmm. I'm trying to figure out if I want to put Kobe at the two or the three. I put fuck it. I put Kobe at the two. I put Worthy at the three. And do you right? The power four position is like crazy. Yeah. So I'm gonna do this. I, I'm, I'm gonna do this. Y'all might look at me weird. Hey man, it's, it's, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say power forward. The, the paint might be clogged up, but mm. power forward, I put Shaq. Oh, okay. No, like Shaq. I said, that, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me, Magic, Kobe, James Worthy, um, Shaq, and then Kareem. But okay. right but. Uncle B will be on the yeah. be six man. Yeah, six yeah. man. Yeah, Byron's got be six man. Yeah, yeah, man. Uncle um, B will be the six man. Yeah, most definitely, man. Um, so, what's your thoughts, Byron Scott, about Le- uh, LeBron resigning with the Lakers? Um, how do you feel like that's going to impact this roster with him resigning for two more years? Well, I, I think it's great for for LeBron and the Lakers. You know, he's going to obviously end his career here in Los Angeles. Uh, I think he signed the two-year extension because yeah. of one reason. He wants to do that. He, he wants to get. He wants to still be in the league when Bron, when Bronny gets in the league. You know, he's got one year of high school left, and he's gonna probably go to whatever university, play mm-hmm. one year, and then he's gonna be in the NBA. So I think he's he, he wants to play against his son or with. And uh, you know, once that comes true, I think LeBron will be done. But uh, I, I think it, it's good for the Lakers because they know they can still attract other people to come here you know, as long as LeBron is because he's a winner. And um, hopefully in those two years, they get another top, you know, top-notch free agent that you'll be able to pass the torch, and we don't have to go back in that lull of going back down to the bottom before we get back up top again. So yeah. I think it's a good move on the Lakers' part. Yeah, most definitely it is, man. I'm excited, man. The front office is going to do what's best for them and the franchise. And shout out to my boy James about the top five greatest Lakers. Well, we, we forgot Pal Gasol. He's just getting the jersey retired, too. Uh, May, uh, March true. 7th. Yeah, he Pal- was Pal- a four. Yeah, Pal Gasol's up there, man. You know, Pal Gasol so. was a four. My bad, DeAndre. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, man. Um, Spaniard. Yeah, he was good. Yeah, he I was. liked his game. I, I used to play basketball. I emulated my game after him. Um, congrats, Pal Gasol. Um, any final questions for uh, the GOAT, Byron Scott, man? you have any final questions? Man, I just appreciate you being on my homie's uh, yep. podcast. Dr. I March appreciate right you coming out. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Supporting the podcast. Definitely check in into my music. I will I will tell you about it. I will uh, put it in the comments, whatever. I would definitely want you just to check in with my music and just let me know how I'm doing. Yes, sir. And Lakers Fan TV, man, you have any final thoughts for uh, Uncle B? I actually have a final thought and a final question for Uncle B. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, my final thought is, uh, I'm really glad you're one of the humble ones to come on this uh, podcast. It's, it's, it was very fun talking to you. Oh, um, I'm a huge Laker fan, and, and Showtime was one of the greatest eras I ever witnessed. Um, I'm, I'm just glad to be talking to you right now. It's well, it's very, yeah, it's, it's a dream come true for me right been, now. It's been a pleasure, believe me. Yeah, most um, yeah. this is my question. Uh, Growing up in Inglewood, mm-hmm. uh, passing through, passing by the forum, did you ever think you were playing there one day? I did. I, and again, I think, you know, when we talk about, you know, trying to fulfill dreams, you know, you got to speak it to, to an existence. Mm-hmm. And you know, I would go by there when I was in junior high and high school and I would tell my buddies, I said, I'm going to be playing there one day. Now, I didn't, 
I didn't think I was going to be playing there one day as that being my home re- arena. I just mm-hmm. thought I would be playing, you know, against the Lakers at some point in time in my, in my life. So I said that when I was 12 years old, I said it when I was in junior high school, I said it when I was in high school. And then obviously when I got to Arizona state, you know, I, I could see that reality becoming uh, a possibility, you know? So I had always told myself I was going to be in the NBA and I was going to be playing, you know, uh, at the forum. Now, I, like I said, little did I know that I was going to be my home arena, you know, when I started. But I, I think, again, when you're talking about trying to fulfill dreams, you know, it's not only the work you got to put in, but it's the belief you got to put in. You yep. know, you got to have that belief in yourself. As I said, you know, I used to always say, I'm going to be in the NBA. And if you don't believe it, you know, because I, I had a lot of people tell me, man, man, please, you ain't going to make it <laughs> to the NBA. You know, I was like, all right, you know, all right. And all those naysayers just gave me added motivation, you know. So, uh, yeah, I did believe I was going to be there, and I, I believed I was going to be playing against the Lakers uh, at some point in time. But to start my career off, you know, as a member of the Los Angeles Lakers was something that I didn't think about, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, so that was like a, you know, talk about a dream come true because that was my favorite team growing up. Um, to be able to play and put that purple and gold on was was an honor, you know. So. Yeah, but, we, you know, again, yes, I, I thought about it at a very early age that, 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 you know, I would be playing in the NBA, that I would make it. And everybody that told me I wouldn't, I just used that, you know, used that as, you know, added motivation. Yeah, most definitely, man, most definitely. Byron Scott, I have, uh, this was a long time ago. I think it was Kobe's final game. I tried to get a picture with you. I got a picture of you trying to, you were leaving. It was, I think it was the open practice. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, and uh, you were at Pachanga, too, in Temecula. I won't, yes. I'm always up. I'm always up there, and when yeah. I try to sneak in, Pachanga said, "Nah, big baby, get out of here." <laughs> but I, but, but I made my way in. Made my way in through the. I got know my ways. I made my way in and took a picture of Julius Randle and all that, man. But, but yeah, man, it's an honor. Thank you for coming on, man. Everybody, go subscribe to Angry Lakers fan and Byron Scott. You need to go on Angry Lakers fan show soon, man. Yeah, man, Angry Lakers fan. Holler at me. Holler at Uncle B and let me know, and we can do that. All right, you. All right, I'm gonna take your word for it. How can I get in contact with you, bro? <laughs> Follow him on, Instagram. on my Instagram, uh, official Byron Scott at gmail.com. Um, just hit me up, man. Holler at me, give me some dates. We'll figure out a time. I'll come on and we'll do our thing. And uh, go subscribe to Byron Scott's YouTube channel, you know, um, the Byron Scott podcast, man. Just saw that show of uh, Robert Rory, man. It was a good one, man. Yeah, man. It, yeah, it's, you know what? That's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed doing that, speaking and speaking to a lot of people that I have a lot of respect for and, and that are friends that are good friends of mine and i tell most of them i said listen we we always kind of catch each other in passing we've never really had a chance to sit down and have a conversation not an interview just a conversation on things that you've done and where you've been and where you're going and uh it's it's been a blessing to be able to sit down with some of the people that i've sit down with so yeah if you can you can go on to uh off the dribble with byron scott check it out check out my podcast and uh yeah we have a lot of fun on it yeah most definitely man thanks for everybody watching and make sure you guys subscribe to the channel man we out Peace. I'm here to be an all-time great. You're now rocking with the best. Welcome to the Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast. Oh, he's smoking hot. The latest Laker news. Another great Showtime feed. The greatest Laker show. This is going to be legendary for a long time. This is the Big Baby Jonathan Sports Podcast. Lakers all day. Go 